Tom Brady is one of the most decorated quarterbacks in the history of the game. He is uh, celebrated for being on one of the greatest teams uh, uh, that the NFL has ever known, the New England Patriots. He's been on magazines such as Esquire, Sports Illustrated, GQ, just to name a few. He's married to Giselle Bunchen, who is one of the highest paid supermodels in all of the world. He's been interviewed by Oprah Winfrey. He's uh, just one of the most subtle. He's a shoo-in for the Hall of Fame, makes millions and millions and millions of dollars a year. He is celebrated to say the least. And yet, and yet, when his team wins the Super Bowl, he gets every one of his starting team a Rolex watch, which is like a million dollar gift. The reason that he spends so much money um, getting his team this very, very expensive gift is because Tom Brady knows that his success is predicated on the effectiveness of the team around him. If the linemen don't block, if the catchers don't catch, if the runners don't run, then his success will be limited because even though he's one of the greatest quarterbacks that has ever lived, having the greatest, as we've witnessed just re recently, being the greatest quarterback, one of the greatest quarterbacks that has ever lived, does not guarantee you a place at the Super Bowl. Now, this is important. This is important because Tom Brady knows the value of a great team. Tom Brady knows that without a great team, you can't win the big game. Tom Brady knows that unless you have a team who understands what the goal is, who goes in the same direction, and everybody plays their role well, that you simply won't see the ring. You know, this is true in football, but it's also true in church. That if we leave it just thinking that there are some Tom Brady superstars who will carry the church to where the church needs to go, what we'll discover is that we'll be disappointed in our place of worship. We'll be discouraged with the church around us. Because the church is not an audience. The church is a team. The church is not a receptor of information. The church is a lover of the world and of people. The world, of course, not meaning the world's uh, practices and ways and philosophies, but the world in meaning people whom Christ died for, reaching out to them and loving them well. Recovery House of Worship. We have been in a series called Game Plan. And for the last few weeks, we've been talking about how important it is to have a better 2016 than our previous years. We've said that in 2016, we want it to be our best year yet. And yet we recognize that that cannot and will not happen unless we have a plan. The Bible speaks of us having a plan. In week one, we heard Pastor Raymond speak about the importance of having a plan. In week two, we heard Pastor Gus of this series talk about the importance of both firing the wrong coach and hiring the right coach. All our New York football fans understand what that's like now, right? We've just experienced the loss of a coach, and now there needs to be a hiring of a new coach. Week three, we uh, looked at the playbook, and we said this, the playbook is the Bible. And we said, we'll either spend, when it comes to the, when God's playbook, the Bible, we'll either spend time reading or waste time regretting. Because the Bible has things to help us to avoid some of the greatest pains in our lives. In week four, we talked about how the Holy Spirit, who's our quarterback, he lives to uh, call audibles. And he re 
reveals and reminds. That's what we learned last week. That the Holy Spirit reveals the truth of God's word about Jesus to us. And then he also reminds us not only what we've learned, but also that which we need uh, to remember from experience in in light of God's word. This week, we're going to talk about a team. And in this week, as we talk about a team, we're recognizing that not only in football is a team important, God knows that the church is so important that it's the most important team in the history of the world. And while we will not wear Super Bowl rings, God knows that there's still a crown to be had. God knows that there's still trophies to be won. God knows that there's still glory to give unto him. He knows that. And we are God's team. He's put us together. Now, I don't know about you, but I was never, and a lot of you were like, you know, jocks and sports people and like, you know, really good at sports. I was not. I had my brother and my best friend both were fantastic on teams. They're the only reason I ever got on any teams. I was like the last one picked after the really heavy set girl with like bifocals who couldn't see. That's when they picked me. They were like, all right, we got Veronica. All right, let's take Edwin. That's how bad I was at sports. It was terrible. It was traumatic. Never got chosen to be on teams. But something has happened. God has chosen even us who were never qualified, even us who were never desirable, even us who couldn't throw the ball and make the play, even us who couldn't add a whole lot of value from a worldly perspective. God has chosen us to be on his team. God has bedded and said, you, you, the person sitting in your seat, the person wearing your shirt, You're his first draft pick. It's an amazing thing. You go, why? Why would God do that? I don't deserve it. He says, I know. But I'm not choosing you because you're worthy. I'm choosing you because I'm worthy. And God will get greater glory from a room full of misfits than he will from an arena full of superstars. So we're going to learn about the team. But here's the temptation. The temptation will be that when you hear this lesson today, when you hear the scriptures today, the temptation will be to think of other people rather than God speaking to you. To deflect what God is saying, to think of others and how they can be a part of the team rather than you. You'll say things to yourself, well, wow, that, that's important to know. That's good to find out. Man, I hope so-and-so heard that. You'll say things like, well, I already serve. Well, that's not what we're talking about today. What we'll be talking about today is being a part of God's team playing the role that God wants us to play for the glory of God. Because in the end, we we have the one who's leading us will give us a far greater trophy than a Rolex watch. He'll give us, instead, He'll give us life everlasting. Not because we're excellent teammates, but because He's brought us to Himself, paid the sin debt, loved us well, and glorified Himself through us. So let's look at God's Word to talk about what this team should look like. God knows that if we're going to be a team, he's going to need to give instruction and he's going to need to direct us. So I want you to pay attention because these scriptures are really important. Now listen to me. You might be tempted to like tune out. Let me tell you something. You miss it in life. If you don't get today's lesson, you miss it in life. Make a billion dollars at work and miss it in life. Have the happiest marriage in the world and miss it in life. Be the coolest guy on the planet and miss it in life. Have the greatest grade point average and miss it in life. You will miss the most important thing on this globe that you were put on, that you were put on this globe for. You'll miss it. 
And I don't want you to miss it. I want God's best for every one of us. So let's look at God's Word. Would you stand with me? We have a long passage to read. We're going to read from verse 12 to 27. From verse 12 to 27. I'm going to read uh, all the way to verse 18, and then you're going to pick it up, and we'll read together verses 19 through 27. Is that fair? Okay. The bot, uh, we're reading from 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 31, or to 27. The body of Christ has many different parts, just as any other body does. Some of us are Jews and others are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves and others are free. But God's Spirit baptized each of us and made us part of the body of Christ. Now we each drink from that same Spirit. Our bodies don't have just one part. They have many parts. Suppose a foot says, I am not a hand, and so I'm not a part of the body. Wouldn't the foot still belong to the body? Or suppose an ear says, I'm not an eye, and so I'm not a part of the body. Wouldn't the ear still belong to the body? If our bodies were only an eye, we couldn't hear a thing. And if they were only an ear, we couldn't smell a thing. But God has put all parts of our bodies together in the way that he decided is best. Verse 19, let's read together. A body isn't really a body unless there is more than one part. It's a different translation. So why don't we read from this translation, because I'm reading from the CEV. And, I, and it was my fault. The, the team is doing a great job. I usually do the NIV. And the, 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 the team is doing a great job. Way to go, guys. Um, let's read it together. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts of that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that is parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are part of the body, and each one of you is a part of it. This is God's Word. Thank you. So I'm going to be reading from the CEV. You guys will be seeing the NIV, but I think you'll get the general gist of what's going on. We see how important the church is to God. There's this team that God has. He calls it the church. And the church is a team that works together, serves together for God's glory and our joy. I remember serving with so many people and when they serve for the first time, them coming up to me and saying this, this is the best time of my life. After a service commitment. And you would go, wait, no, 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 no. The best time of your life has been in receiving good things and being the recipient of blessings and gifts. They go, no, no, no. I can think of one person who spent an entire day cooking something like four or five hundred hot dogs for people on the street. It was a Fourth of July gathering. And he said this was the best time of his life. You wouldn't understand that if you hadn't experienced what it's like to serve others in the name of Christ. Well, Christ knows that our joy is wrapped up in our service, and our service and joy is wrapped up in working together. 
not all being sort of uh, jumping in our own direction, but working together for the same goal, on the same team, with the same end result in mind. So God says, and he, this is really the point that he's trying to make in verse 12. He says, the body of Christ has many different parts, just as any other body does. Stop. That's his point. That we're a body, the body of Christ, and there's a bunch of different parts. Now, there's two obstacles that are going to prevent us from being a part of this body. He's going to explain that throughout. They're both a part of this this heinous sin that plagues us all. It's called pride. Now, pride has two children that go two different ways, but it's the same mom. There's high self-esteem and there's low self-esteem. And both of, you, both of those will plague the body of Christ. They'll make it so that our team doesn't function the way it ought to. So, let's look at the rest of the passage. Some are Jews and others are Gentiles. Some are slaves and others are free. But God's Spirit baptized each of us and made us part of the body of Christ. Now, we each drink from that same spirit. So you could be a part of the sort of the religious uh, class. Mr. and Mrs. Goody Two-Shoes. And you're good and kind and you tithe and you come to church and you read your Bible and you're a good person you pay your taxes and all that. And we go, yay! Or you could come from a non-religious uh, background and just feel like you need to... Uh, Live in any way you want to. You're, you know, you've got the motorcycle, you've got the leather jacket, you've got, you know, you're, you're in that camp. You don't care about God. And Jesus says, you're all, you can all, all of you who are headed for hell, who are religious, you can come on the team. And all of you who are headed for hell because you're doing your own thing, you can come on the team. And the team that he calls you is to himself. He also says, if you're slaves or free, no matter what your economic background, if, you're, if you come from a lower class background where you don't have any finances and don't have anything to speak of, he says, you're welcome. And if you're a person who has lots of finances and lots of uh, resources, he says, you're welcome. It doesn't matter. You belong on the team. Did you know that God made you not to be like anyone else, but to be you? And that everything in this world has worked to sabotage His work in your life. Your jealousies have worked to sabotage you. You go, I want to be like so-and-so. I'm telling you, that won't do. God didn't make you to be like so-and-so. If he wanted you to be like so-and-so, he'd have made you so-and-so. God does not want you to be like so-and-so. God wants you to be the very best you. The very best you that's available. And he says, and he doesn't say, come on, be the very best you. You can do it. He says, listen, you're a nightmare. You'll never be the very best you, but I got a, be- I got a good idea. It's true. Listen, we all, dress up, we all dress up pretty good on the outside, but the fact is we are a mess. And Jesus says, I can take your mess and create a message that will affect the entire world for good. I'm telling you, Jesus can do that. Jesus can do that. Jesus can do that in you. You are a perfect 10 in the hands of Jesus. You are a perfect 10 in his hands at something. And he says, I want that. Not because you're a perfect 10 by yourself, not because you bring, but because he gives himself to you, giving you, adding you to this amazing team. Just like we just talked about the New England Patriots. 
their, uh, what is it called? Is that the defensive line that failed? The one that's supposed to protect the quarterback? The one that's supposed to protect the quarterback. It's a offensive line? Okay, so the offensive, yeah. My mother knows more about football than I do, okay? So that's the truth. But here's, the, here's what we know. We know that when that line fails, it doesn't matter. You could be the greatest quarterback that ever lived. It's a close game, but it's, you don't win. Everyone, not many of us, not many of us here could, if I said the name of the uh, starting offensive line, not many of us here would recognize those names. They don't, they're not married to the supermodel. They don't get on the cover of the magazines. They don't make as much money as he does. They're not interviewed by Oprah Winfrey. Most people will forget about them. Most people don't even know that they exist except for these hardcore football fans. And yet, they all serve on the same purpose. We don't have to be superstars. We, slave or free, Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter where you come from. It's available to you. This wonderful team. And what makes it so great, this team, is the body, Jesus himself. He calls us to a greater purpose. He calls us to a greater future than we could ever develop on our own. Let's look at verse 14. Our bodies, this is now, he's just going to explain what he just taught. Our bodies don't have just one part. They have many parts. Suppose a foot says, I'm not a hand, and so I'm not part of the body. Wouldn't the foot still belong to the body? Or suppose the ear says, I'm not an eye, and I'm not part of the body. Wouldn't the ear still belong to the body? If our bodies were only an eye, we wouldn't hear a thing. And if they were only an ear, we couldn't smell a thing. But God has put all parts of our body together in the way that he decided is best. This is huge. Now, it's preposterous, silly for our eyes to say, you know what? I'm not a hand. I'm not a hand, and so I'm not, I'm not going to be a part of this body. That's insane. And yet the body of Christ, the people who are listening to me right now, you do that all the time when we decide that we're not going to use our gifts for God's glory. And again, there's two reasons that we talked about. One is high esteem, and the other is low esteem. High esteem threatens people who do what I do. Pastors, leaders, people who are in the front. I was talking to uh, someone else. And I was, you know, we were talking about the illustration that I was going to give about Tom Brady and the quarterback and the Rolex and all that jazz that you just heard. And, and his thought was that I was the quarterback and that you were the team. And I was like, man, if I'm the quarterback, you guys are done. <laughs> I mean, if I'm the quarterback, you, it, we lose every game. <laughs> Jesus. God is the one who calls the shots. God is our superstar. God is the only one who belongs on the magazine covers. God is the one who deserves to be talked about. We are unprofitable servants. That's all we are. And yet, and yet, within the body of Christ, there's a temptation for pastors to think that it's about them. To fly in a jet, to drive in the car. Now, let me just say, if anybody here wants to give me a jet, or if you have a Rolex. I'm not so spiritual that I can't take that. However, you know, that's the, only pe that's the only thing some people are going to hear. See, pastors are in them. It's a joke. It's a joke. But here's what I'm saying. Pastors don't. Let me, if I told you my sin, listen to me. Listen to me. If I told you my sin, you wouldn't want me to pastor you. And if you told me your deep, dark secrets, maybe I wouldn't want to pastor you. But we're a mess. But we're each other's mess. We belong to each other. And so we love one another. And so I don't deserve to be up here. Good night. We have preachers like Pastor Gus and Pastor Raymond. We have wonderful servants here. We have, I don't deserve to be up here. 
But there's a temptation that when you're up front to think, well, this thing can't go off without me. Oh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? God could do so much better. Like, you know what's going to happen, right? One day, I'm going to get that idea and God's going to let me get it bumped on the head or something for like two months, you know what I mean? I'll be in a coma and I'll wake up and we'll find out that the church grew by like 100%. And like, we'll find out that the leaders are happier than they've ever been and that the tides have gone up. I was like, that's what we're going to find out. It's, gonna, it's a mess. It's a, but, but, but there's a temptation. There's a temptation. Listen to me. For those of you who think you're indispensable, watch out. God dispenses of those who think that they're indispensable. But then there's another one. There's high esteem. Remember, this is all pride. Pride fuels all of this. There's high esteem, and then there's low esteem. Low esteem says, well, I don't really have any real gifts. You know, the thing that I have can't possibly be used by God. I used to think of that all the time. What is sin? What is sin to tell God the gift that you give me is not enough? We, we think it's humble. We think it's righteous. We think that there's uh, honorable sense in telling God, you know, I'm really not that, you know, the gift that you gave me is not enough. What an insult. Can't imagine my wife saying that to me. Can't imagine my kids saying that to me. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for the gift. But, eh, not good enough. It's a horrible thing to say to somebody you love, right? But you know, we say this to God all the time. When we see the gifts that he's given us, or we don't even acknowledge the gifts that he's given us. That's not, that shouldn't be our house. That should not be our story. God has brought you here. Some of you, listen to me. Some of you have the gift of making lots and lots of money. Man, be as generous as you can. You have an opportunity. You have a gift. Some of you, some of you are loving, like you're more loving by accident than most of us are on purpose. You just are so loving. Like when we're around you, we feel bad because you're so loving. They're like, oh my gosh, this person loves me so much. Stop it already. That's a... There's a, there, 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 man, you, you should be serving others with that love. I mean, I know people, I know people in this church who get fired up when they visit people in hospitals. I mean, they get fired up by it. They're like, you bless the body of Christ when you visit. Haven't you? Let me ask you something. If, if, you've, ever been here in the, uh, if you've ever been here in Recovery House of Worship and no pastor visited you, but somebody from this church did, raise your hand. Yeah, it's like, I'm gonna, that's awesome. That's awesome. You know what that is? That's the body of Christ working together, spending time with you. It's a shame when we go, oh, the pastor, he's the one who has to go, well, maybe that's not his gift. And maybe by him doing that gift, he stifles the gift of this person and the joy that they have. And so, we neither submit to high esteem or to low esteem because both of them Focus on me. And God doesn't want our focus to be on ourselves. God wants our focus to be on Him. And so, when, you, when God gives you a gift, or you think it's a gift, you go, God, alright, this test is not for me, this test is for you. You say you gave me the gift, I'm going to practice, I'm going to use the gift, I'm going to develop the gift, I'm going to mature the gift, I'm going to make it as good as I can. Like uh, this communicating gift that I denied for so many years. I said, God, I don't have this gift. I get all sorts of... I used to have panic attacks before I came in here, came up here and cry. I literally would cry from walking, you know, there's a long hallway from my office to here. I would cry. I would say, God, kill me. Kill me. Kill me now. Kill me right now before I go up and speak. I'm telling you, I would have all sorts of anxieties. And I just, you know what? I just said, you know what I'm going to do? Uh, God, this is a gift you've given me. I'm going to develop it to as much as I can. I'm going to learn as much as I can. I'm going to read as much as I can. And I'm going to do it as good. I'm going to prepare as well as I can. And then I'm going to come up here. And I'm going to do as well as I can. And God, you anointed. This morning, I was saying, God, would you... Prepare my heart to deliver this message and prepare their hearts to receive this message. No fireworks, just the Spirit of God anointing us to receive and to hear what He would say so that He might be glorified. But 
that's the gift that I have. And I'm using my gift, but you have a gift. And for as many people as are hearing the sound of my voice are as many gifts as there are. And so some of you will think with the low self-esteem, your gift is not that good. And so what you do is you envy others. And you say, I want their gift. Oh, I wish, I wish I could have a speaking gift. Oh, I wish I could be the upfront gift. Well, look at what Paul says in verse 19 about that. Verse 19 says, and following, a body isn't really a body unless there is more than one part. It takes many parts to make a single body. It takes many parts to make a single body. If we were all speakers, I mean, that would just be a very loud room. <laughs> if we were all listeners, then that would be a very untaught room. If we were, listen to me, if we were all hospital visitors, that would be a very empty room. If we were all, get, you get what I'm saying? If we were all one type of gift, then, then we would But the beauty is, is that God loves diversity. God loves you. God made you with your gift. I remember we had a person in this congregation, and you know what his gift was? It was dancing. He not only loved to dance, he taught dancing. It was his gift. And for like, what, Carmen, was that like eight or ten weeks? Something like that. We had, a, um, we had a salsa class here. Carmen was my dance partner. It was awesome, right? We had a salsa class. And I learned how to... Well, I didn't really learn. I mean, I'm still trying to learn. But I try to learn. But I can't tell you how much fun we all enjoyed together. Because he was using his gifts. It's wonderful. We have others... You get what I'm saying? If we, all, if we all go, oh, I want to be the dance instructor, then we miss out. We miss out. See, because it's like this, right? So it's like Jesus is the body, right? So imagine this is Christ's body, right? And Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. Some of you, some of you are like the little hat on Mr. Potato Head, Right? <laughs> And you go, oh man, it's just an accessory. No, no, no. Not just an accessory. Something very necessary for us to, um, to do whatever we need to do. As many of you balding men understand right now how important your hats are. Yes. And I feel bad now that I said that because some of you actually do have a hat. Okay. Um, all right. You'll forgive me, I hope. All right. And some of us think we're an eye. And this is good because by this, we're able to see. And then ears, you see how this works, right? All right? Let me put the hat down for a second because I'm going to try to do this. All right? So now watch this. And then we got the mustache here. All right, without breaking it. Thank you. All right. Isn't this awesome? Look at this, what we're learning about the Bible today. Right? And so, okay. Wrong hand. All right. There you go. All right. Now, watch this. Now, I do all this, right? This is, there's actually a point to this. All right. I hope that stays. Yes. Okay. 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 All right. Styling. All right. Um, yeah. Now, watch this. I do all this. I do all this, right? So, you guys see it? You see it? All right? Yay. All right. Okay. Everybody see it? Okay. Good. Good, 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 good. In the church, here's the problem. And this is where we are. We go, but wait, wait, wait. How can we love them well? No, the hands decided not to come. The hands decided not to show up. The ones with the gift of being able to administer love and care and and concern. The ones who were given the gift of mercy, they said that their gift wasn't that good. 
But, but what about counseling? I mean, you know, people need to be counseled in the Word of God. No, we can only do a little bit of counseling because the ear decided to leave. And, and there's not much going on. And since everybody thinks that preaching is the most important thing, this is what the church generally looks like. Sorry. It looks like a distorted version of itself. Because all everybody thinks about is that the church is the preacher coming up and speaking. What a silly thing that is. Could you imagine Jesus dying for a preacher to be able to preach? Could you imagine a, a Jesus dying so that you could sit in a comfortable chair to listen to me? Good night, I hope not. But Jesus has given us better than this. He said, no, I've given you feet. Feet so that you could run and tell of the gospel. I've given you ears. Ears so that you could listen with compassionate hearts to those who are hurting and desperately need to be listened to. I've given you hands. Hands so that you can serve your community, your family, your loved ones. I've given you eyes. Eyes to see the pain of a dying world that desperately needs. Desperately needs your care. I want you to get on the team. I want the person sitting in your seat to stop thinking that church is about coming to a place on Sunday, warming a seat and listening to a message. Beloved, that's not what the church is. And if that's what we're... Listen, I don't even want to be a part of a church like that. I don't even want to be down with a church like that. Like, we, we say it all the time. We are not interested in full rooms. We're interested in a full heaven. And you are depriving us of the good gifts that God has for us because you're so full of yourself. Because you think it's all about you. Because you're working with the lowest themes going, oh, I'm not good enough. Nobody could ever use my gifts. Liar! That is not what God has said. God has made you a part of the body. God has made you a part of the body for the purpose of blessing the body and blessing others. And those of you who think, oh, you're the bee's knees and you're like the big deal and all that other stuff. Liar! God could do so much more without your arrogant attitude. Stop. Just stop. So, there's God's church. It looks funny, right? But it's effective. It's effective because it's attached to the body. Not attached to the body, it's useless. Not attached to the body, there's nothing to be had. Just a bunch of different parts going in a bunch of different directions, not being useful to themselves or to anybody else. So, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to sit on the sidelines? Are you just going to be... Well, listen, in a few minutes, I'm going to invite you. I'm going to invite you, number one, to start thinking about what's your gift. Some of you have gifts, gifts of, that nobody has ever even heard of. You go, I don't even know what my gift is. Then maybe you're going to, you're going to take on a journey to find out what your gift is. You, maybe you'll volunteer in the children's ministry. The children's ministry, you go, I don't know. I don't know about children. I don't know about all this other stuff. Well, maybe, maybe you find that you have a teaching gift in the children's ministry. Or maybe you find that you have just a, a loving concern for children. Or maybe you just love crafts or something like that. I don't know. Maybe you love music and you know how to play an instrument and you're going to develop that gift. Or you're a singer and you're going to develop that gift. Maybe there's some other gift that we don't know about. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe you make a ton of money. Let me tell you something. I can't tell you how expensive it is to run this ministry. I can't tell you how expensive it is. We do about 
anywhere between one and a half to two and a half million dollars worth of service every year. One and a half to two and a half million dollars worth of service every year. We feed tens of thousands. We clothe thousands. We, we counsel. It's just amazing the numbers. Like you, you, you would be blown away. We did it this year for 300 and I believe it was 60 or $80,000. That's, that's how we did it. And we were still $60,000 short. So maybe you've been gifted. Maybe you're generous. Maybe you're gifted to be a, 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 a saver. And you said, you know what? I think I'm going to not save so much so that I'll be uh, cared for. My security is found in Christ. So I'll save some money, but I think I'm going to be more generous. Maybe that's your gift. I don't know. Maybe, maybe your gift is in teaching. Maybe your gift is in just loving people and you want to be a part of a small group. I don't know what your gift is. I don't know. There's too many of us here for me to know everyone. But I bet if you pray and make yourself available... God, the God who knows will let you know what it ought to be. So, what are we going to be, Arhau? Are we going to be a disembodied individual who just comes as an audience? Or are we going to be the body of Christ? Two stories and then we're, well, two stories and then a quick uh, instruction and then we'll leave. Um, in 2000, I believe it was uh, 2003, August 14, there on, on the Thursday, there was a blackout that affected 45 million people. 45 million people on the East Coast and the Midwest Coast, all the way to Ontario, Canada. That's what New York looked like. This blackout, people were walking home from miles and miles away. Nothing worked, not trains, not buses. Not light, nothing. People were exhausted. I was here. It was a bad thing that I was here because it was my day off. I had my three daughters. My wife was at a movie theater because she needed a break. And so I was here. And my three daughters, who were very, very, very tiny at the time, were here. And the blackout happened. And I look, we looked outside and we said, oh my goodness, there was like 5,000 people walking. Like it was just a huge, thousands and thousands of people. And I remember Raymond calling me up. He goes, Edward, what are we going to do? The lights are... Da, da, da. And I was reading this book. It was called uh, Your Divine Moment or Seizing Your Divine Moment. I said, we're going to seize our divine moment. And I was like all <laughs> powered up about that. You know what we did? We had nothing. You know what we had? We had chairs. You know what we had? We had running water, toilets, bathrooms. That's all we had. We had a, a safe place to rest. But that's what the church is, isn't it? But not just a safe place to rest. The church is also an army. Well, thousands, over 4,000 people showed up here, not least of which was a, a group of about 30 kids weeping because the bus didn't feel comfortable going anymore because there were no street lights. And you could get into an accident, so they had to get off their bus and walk. There was a member of our church who found them three blocks away. And because we're an old church, we are the only ones who had a rotary phone that actually worked. We got to call every one of those kids' parents and say, your kids are safe because Jesus is using the body of Christ to bless your family. But I tell you, if you'd have asked us, what's our gift? Our gift is chairs. Our gift is a room. Our gift are toilets. That's, our gift is running water. Doesn't look like much. Meant the world to these people. You fast forward to Hurricane Sandy, October 29th, 2012. And there's just devastation everywhere. What can we do? We, we, 45 million. 4,000 people doesn't sound a lot to 45 million, right? But imagine if every church, imagine if every church did that. 
that have been great revival, great concern, great concern and love given to a people who are far from God. Hurricane Sandy, a lot of people lost everything. You know what this church did? This church said, what can we do? We said, what do we have? We have space. So we housed over 18 tractor trailers worth of clothes and uh, 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 grills so that people could eat, heaters, and 18 tractor trailers worth. You just said, what's your gift? What's your gift? I don't know. We got this big space upstairs after the fire. Can we store some? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll just use our gifts. In one day, we made over 10,000 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They said, what's your gift? The gift of the spread. <laughs> 10,000. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. I'm lowballing it. I'm telling you. One day. And we did that for weeks. For weeks. Gave hundreds of thousands of sandwiches during that time. Because people said, that's my gift. That's my gift. What will happen if these people in this room listening to this message said, that's my gift? I, I, I don't know, but I see a need. Let me tell you something. That's one of the best ways you can find your gift is just see a need. If you see the need, then maybe God is equipping you to meet the need. So, let me just let you know of something that's extraordinary that's happening in just a few weeks from now. We are getting together and learning about Jesus and giving you an opportunity to learn with your friends and families about Jesus, to invite your friends and family. We put a team together. I'm gonna, in fact, I want to bring uh, the team up. Would the Purpose Driven Life team please come up? If you're a part of the, per, the leadership team in the Purpose Driven Life, would you come up? Thank you. Now, listen. Not hot shots, not superstars, but available. Available for Jesus. Not one of us. We don't even know how this thing is going to turn out, but these people have been working tire tirelessly. Liz, she's been begging Jesus to, for people to come alongside of her so that she'll be able to have people praying morning, noon, and night for this congregation and your families so that they would know the love of Jesus and grow in Christ. She's the prayer leader. Justin. Justin wants to see as many children in that room as we have in this room. Because he doesn't want, he knows that if the children hear about Jesus early on, they can avoid a lot of the mistakes that me and you committed growing up. He has a passion for children. Maybe you have a passion for children too. He's giving himself to that work. I mean, you should see how hard he's working at this. Esther. Esther is working on making this service as seamless and flawless as it could possibly be so that when that mother comes in for the first time who's frazzled and leaves her child there, she can come in and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a compelling way that she receives Christ and changes everything for her and her baby. She's doing that. Esther is. Maybe you want to be on her team. Maybe you want to be with the sound people or the video people or the musicians or the singers or the light people or all that stuff. Well, Esther's working hard on that. This is our fearless leader. Shannon has been working on this team longer than anybody else. And she is helping us to stay organized. What's Shannon's gift? Can she speak to multitudes of crowds? That's not her gift. She feels right now, if, if I asked Justin to put his hand over her heart. I'm sure her heart would be beating like crazy. She hates being up front. But let me tell you, she has a monster administrative gift. And she's been organizing all of us, making sure that we stay on point. This, this is David. He's longing for all of you to either become a group, become a part of a group, host a group in your house, or facilitate a group. He wants all of you to be shepherded by a small group of people because there's no one pastor in the history of the world who could care for the needs of 200 people. That can't happen. But he wants to make little mini shepherds, little mini churches, so that we would be like the first church 
meet in small places, small rooms in our houses. He's begging Jesus. He'll train you. He'll help you. He'll do everything he can. But these people are using their gifts. What are your gifts? What are are you going to get out of your chair for? What are you going to do for the cause of Christ? Because I'm telling you, we won't win the game. And Jesus has given you these gifts. He's died so that you could have these gifts. I pray that you get in the game. Be a part of the team. Maybe your gifts is all of these. Maybe your gifts is none of these. Who cares? Just get in the game. You don't know how? Listen to me. Behind us is our fellowship hall. We usually eat together and talk. After this meeting, what we're going to do is two things. One is you're going to have an opportunity to sign up for all sorts of different things. If you don't know what to sign up for or you don't see anything there on your yellow card, I want you to write down something that you're interested. Maybe a youth ministry. Maybe tutoring high school kids. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's something I haven't mentioned. I want you to Put that on your yellow card. We'll follow up with you. You have an opportunity. Not just to attend a gathering, but to be the church. My prayer is that you would do that. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to stand. We're going to pray for these. After, go ahead, stand. Now, after this service, we're going to have uh, a small group development meeting. Pastor Gus is going to teach it. Maybe you go, I don't know, I don't think I have a teaching gift, but I have an apartment. Maybe, maybe you like to meet at Starbucks. And you go, okay, I can meet people at Starbucks. Maybe you could host it. Maybe you could facilitate it. I don't know. But you're going to have an opportunity to learn about that right after this meeting. And so I encourage you to do that. We're going to pray for these, our leaders, in this PDL campaign. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to join, sign up for something, talk to them more about their uh, teams so that uh, you might be able to be better informed to be a part of something great, something greater than you, and be a part of an awesome team that God just celebrates and that gets famed in. Yes? All right, so let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you have not made us that you have not made us like a body with missing parts. But Lord, you have given each one of us gifts. Gifts that can glorify you and lift you up. Gifts that can celebrate you and fame your name. Gifts that could be a huge blessing and a great gift to the people that we love all around us. So Lord, I pray for this PDL team. I pray that you would give them wisdom and encouragement. That you would give them a determination to fulfill your calling in their lives. And I pray for this congregation that we would do the same. Lord, that you would shake us out of our slumber and that we would instead be a people who are totally and completely sold out to you. Have your way in our hearts, through our lives, and in this place. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.